Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 160 of the Ask the Coach show, where we talk table tennis. 160 is the sum of the first 11 primes, as well as the sum of the cubes of the first three primes. It's Technique Tuesday, and today we're going to talk about the forehand block. We'll talk about this stroke in the questions too, plus we'll discuss blazing counterattacks, the pressure of playing in ranking tournaments, how to do a long spinny serve, and the best way to return a long, heavy backspin ball. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. Welcome, everyone, and uh, hopefully it'll be a great show again tonight. Yes, indeed. Now, um, Alois... Did you like my number facts? No. Um, but I do have a really interesting um, on this day in history, though. Okay. In, in 1984, Jeffrey, the African nation of Upper Volta was renamed Burkina Faso. There you go. Burkina Faso? Burkina Faso. That's correct. You got it. Brilliant. Love it. Uh, that's people are going to love that this day in history. Well done. I wonder, to you. I wonder if I wonder if we've got any viewers in Burkina Faso. That'd be interesting. Yes, yes. Formerly known as Upper Volta. Upper Volta. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, yesterday's Ping Skillers question of the day was: Is mass ability related to table tennis? What did people have to say, Alois? Yeah, so th- there were a few, you know, smart comments like uh, from Trevor Hurth saying, uh, yes, if you can't count the score, you can't cannot win. Um, and uh, Luke Blythman, who I was coaching on the weekend in Collingwood, uh, said, if so, why does Chris Slim always lose to me? So I think Chris might be uh, quite brilliant at maths. And... Um, Menthor. Menthor said, statistics in, is, is math. It can tell you much about psychology of the game and opponents. For instance, Olympic game rallies are 3.7 hits. What should I train? So Pedro also said, um, analysing an opponent? Seems like analysing opponents' weaknesses is not used nearly enough. Um, the reason I put that question up there is because just over the years, I've tended to notice that Good mathematicians tend to be good table tennis, or there there is some sort of relationship, you know. Like when we go to schools, we often find that the table tennis team is made up of kids that are more maths oriented than than English oriented. So yeah, just just a thought I had, and I thought you know someone else out there might have noticed something similar. But yeah, what do you think, Jeff? Um. It's hard to draw any conclusions. I, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> um, but, you know, people always say that, you know, doing exercise is, is good for the brain. So, you know, I guess anybody that's active is probably, you know, going to have a slight advantage in thinking. So, you know, maybe there's some correlation there. But I wouldn't think it's like, you know, maths geniuses are going to be good at table tennis. Interesting topic, though. Good question. I like your thinking. 
Mm, let, let's know if anyone else has noticed. Now that I've, you know, let you in on the little, my little, you know, silly mind game. Um, if you've noticed anything like that. And and by the way, this, this came up um, a while ago and I was talking to the great Brian Berry, who some of you out there would know, and Brian tended to agree with um, the theory. In fact, I think he might have actually made up the theory. There you go. Brilliant. All right. The Ping Skillers question of the day is, do you use multi-ball for your training? So as always, get involved. Jump onto our blog at pingskills.com or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pingskills. Let us know, do you use multi-ball in your training? Love to hear your thoughts. All right, Alois. As I mentioned at the start of the show, it is Technique Tuesday And today we're talking about the forehand block. What do we need to know about this stroke? Well, it's an interesting one because, well, let's just go through the mechanics first. So so basically the forehand block is a small forehand. So you're not trying to put too much uh, pace on it yourself. Um, And I think it's it's good if you start with your bat down, um, you know, in the normal forehand position when you're blocking, because then uh, you have options um, from, from that position. I've see, I see a lot of players trying to forehand block like this. Um, it's really limited in what you can do from this position here with the bat up up vertically that way. So, so make sure you're starting with your bat down so that you can come forward a little bit. But it's, it's interesting. I mean, how often is the forehand block used at the higher level? My feeling is not very much. You know, like most of the time, um, especially at the higher level now, Players just don't block on the forehand. It's always just a little bit of topspin or a counter topspin or even a big counter topspin when the ball comes to the forehand. But I think it's important to be able to have that control on that forehand side because without that control on the forehand side, then it's difficult to start to think about um, counter topspinning or... um, or, you know, just putting a little bit of topspin on the ball. So I think it's a really good base to start with. But as you develop, I think it's a stroke that's used less and less in the game. Yeah, that's interesting. And I've sort of found when I was playing a lot, Alois, that for some reason people's forehand blocks tended to be, on average, worse than their backhand block. Have you found similar experiences? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think that's definitely the case. The backhand's a little bit easier to block because your your um, line of vision is behind the ball, and it's um, it's a little bit easier to get a play on the ball um, out out to the side. I think it is a little bit more difficult to block, and I think it's just a shot that isn't played as much as well. So um, so when players do try and block, they they can tend to um, make mistakes with the angle. Yeah, and definitely I used to think that if I could play a spinnier ball um, to their forehand was much more effective than to their backhand, as long as they didn't counter, counter loop well. Yeah, interesting. And I, and I think with blocking in general, a lot of the time people tend to panic when the balls hit fast at them. And once you become confident at it, if you can just, you know, relax, allow the ball to come to you and just use sort of slow movements, it seems to be more effective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely the case, Jeff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting stroke, but but I think it's a necessary stroke to learn when you're starting anyway. So, so 
um, give it a go. We've got a lesson on it um, in our strokes and technique section. So go through that, um, go through the basics and see uh, what we talk about there at the forehand block. Excellent. Sounds good. Now, just one more thing on this, Alice. You said that the backhand block's used a lot more. And I guess in training, when you're the controller, you know, blocking for your opponent, your, your training partner who might be attacking, often the drills are done to the backhand. And I guess maybe that's because people's backhands are better, so they think they'll get better training on the other side. Should, should we think about doing some more drills to the forehand when you're just blocking so you can work on your forehand block? Yeah, certainly. And and it just develops your control on the forehand side as well. So yeah, it's probably probably a good thing. And I think you're right. I think we tend to at the higher level, we tend to um block with our backhands and do our drills to the backhand side because most people's backhands are um safer. So it's almost, you know, self perpetuating type of um uh thing that happens there. You know, the more you practice it, the better you get at it as well. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks for the tips. Um, Have a look at our video on the forehand block. I'll put a link in the show notes. And yeah, really work on this stroke. It's, you know, going to give you more control. And as Alloy said, once you develop that control, it's easier then to move on to other strokes and start, you know, counter looping those top spins. So a very important stroke, the forehand block. All right, let's get on to the questions. And we've got a couple of questions asked by people using the Google Q&A app. And you can ask questions live on the show yourself by visiting our Google Plus page. Just go to our website, pingskills.com, scroll down to the footer, click on the Google Plus icon, and you'll get to our Google Plus page. And Mike has said, there are times where I love to counter hit the ball against a slower loop. Sometimes I block, but my coach says to only use the block against players who are rated 1,500 to 1,800 in the U.S. And so Mike's question is, should I just block or do both depending upon the situation? Yeah, so I I think definitely um, you can do both. So the more time you have, the more control you have, um, the better you are, um, then I think you can start to extend um, instead of just blocking to starting to counter counter topspin as well. So, you know, what your coach is probably talking about there is against a 1,500 player or an 18, uh, 1,800 player, you know, um, maybe you can get away with blocking because they are going to, they're not going to punish that next ball with, with stronger stronger shots. You know, this is a generalisation, of course. Um, whereas against the higher-ranked players, if you're just blocking, then it just gives them another opportunity to make another attack at you, which will probably result in them winning the point. So, so he's talking about, you know, trying to take the initiative away from the better players. So don't just block it back, start to counter it a little bit, put a bit of top spin um, and make it a little bit harder for them to make that, uh, that second attacking ball. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a balancing act, isn't it? Because, if you play more aggressively, if you're making too many mistakes, then you're just going to lose too many points. So it, it really depends on your ability as well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just play play within your means, you know. Like if you if you can counter topspin, then great. If you've got the time to counter topspin, great. Otherwise, just block it back, you know. Um, it's no use just counter topspinning everything and missing everything because then you just lose the game anyway. Indeed. All right. Good question, Mike. All right. Next up, a couple of questions from Brock, who says, Hey, Ping Skills. 
I know that you maybe don't know this, but do you know if there are any table tennis video games? Um, I think there are, but I'm not. I'm I'm probably the worst person in the world to ask about video games because they bore me to tears. Jeff, you got you know any? Uh, well, there is Wii Sports, and uh, my uh, sons like to play a bit of table tennis on Wii Sports, so that's definitely one that I know of. And there was one online a few years ago, Alois, and I, but I can't remember much about it. Um, but yeah, there certainly are some games out there. If anyone knows, so if anyone knows, if anyone knows of any table tennis games, can you just put a comment in the uh, in the blog here or, uh, or send it to us on the Facebook page? I've got no idea. <laughs> All right, and um, Brock also said. I had my fifth tournament and I won the entire tournament. I am so proud. That is great. Well done, Brocky. I like well it. Well done. Yes, yeah, tournament. <laughs> Good work. I wonder if you. Pl- I wonder if you played the tall guy in the tournament, huh? Oh mm. yes. That, that that is interesting. All right. Next question is from Ilya, who says. I recently went to a tournament where I played lots of kids that didn't have a strong attack against backspin, but they all had a blazing forehand counter loop. I often found myself blocking all their counter loops and trying to take a breath. Oh. Yeah. So, so, so in that situation, it's important that you um, try to vary that your, your top spin particularly. Like I, I've seen a lot of, you know, kids and players that are really great at counter looping and they look fantastic, but it can break down really quickly if you're if you've got a little bit of the smarts about you. If you start to vary the spin, the speed, the placement, and and you'll sometimes you find that it breaks down really quickly. So you know, if you just top spin at the same pace to the same spot, they they look fantastic and just come in and and you know crunch the ball, but. It, it can be just a matter of you know changing the positioning by that much. Just put it a little bit wider, or putting it into the into their middle, or putting it more onto their backhand side, and suddenly that whole um, counter top spinning game um, doesn't look the same anymore. And and also the other thing to to think about is that even if you are playing the same ball, you know if they make that really good counter top spin on the first ball, don't be afraid to go there again. Because often, you know, players are good, you know, like and they can they can make that first one, but then you know, give them another chance, and they might miss the next five. So, um, yeah, persevere a little bit, but variation is is good against that type of player. Yeah, certainly, and and another type of variation that I like, Alloys, is the height of the ball. So you know, playing a bit of a slower, higher spinny loop, and then a bit of a faster one. And mixing it up that way too, I find that's effective as well as as well as the placement. Yeah, that that that's a really good one. So the height often often the um the the players that are sort of on top of the table and countertop spinning, sometimes if you put the ball a little bit higher, it sounds a bit stupid, but if you put the ball a little bit higher, you know, up or up above their shoulder high, hold shoulder height, it becomes a more of an awkward ball for them. So yeah, that's that's a really good one, Jeff. Cool. All right. Try out those next time, Ilya, and see if you can get on top of those kids. Good luck. 
All right. Next up is a question from Alexia, who says, I have a problem when I play in ranking tournaments. I fear to play the backhand stroke. So how do I face my fear? Ah, yeah. So, um, so in the extended question, you were saying, you know, in training, he plays the ball pretty well on the backhand side, but come tournament time, um, the backhand breaks down. So there's a few things there. One is, it's it's great that you that you can do the stroke. So that should just give you a little bit of confidence that you understand and you know how to play the stroke. So things don't change too much in the tournament. What changes is your um, is your tension um, and your expectations, perhaps. So just go back to basics in the tournament. Just start to think about um, your technique a little bit. Start to think about making sure you're playing that backhand on the table. And a good way to start is by playing some practice matches. So if you play some practice games um, in training, make sure that you're utilising your backhand and make sure that you're utilising your technique correctly. And then, again, that will lead to a little bit more confidence and perhaps confidence to start to use that in in, in your ranking tournaments as well. It's a slow process. You know, like with any skill, we can learn it um, and and do it in uh, a very simple practice situation first, but to be able to then transfer that skill and to be able to play it in a ranking tournament just takes time too. You know, like it just doesn't happen that okay, I can do it now. Um, I'm going to go and start using it in a ranking tournament at nine all in the fifth game. So it's just a slow process, development of confidence, development of your technique. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, isn't it? And as you said, I think there's there's two ways to approach this problem. And one is what you're talking about, Alice, just develop that skill better. And, you know, the more you develop that skill, the better you get at it and the more you'll be able to use it in those pressure situations. So, you know, practice is definitely one way to attack this problem. Just get your backhand better and better and better. But then... Also, the other way is, yeah, like you said, those expectations, Alois. And I remember hearing that, that you know, pressure is something you put on yourself. So if, if you can, you know, manage those expectations and not really focus on the results, but just, you know, play each ball as it comes and, and focus on your technique, then that's, that's going to help as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, a really big topic. Yeah, take it slowly. Um, just keep improving it. You'll be able to start to use it in match situations eventually. Just keep going at it. Yeah. And I will put a link in the show notes to our sports psychology section, Alice, because I think there's a few useful videos there that could really help you out last year. So um, after you've watched the show, jump on to our blog, check out the show notes and have a look at our sports psychology videos. All right. Next up is a question from Tusha who says, I know how to do a long and fast serve, but is there any way to do a long spinny serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. So if, you, if you're going to do just a long and fast serve, you can do it really f- fast and flat. So by hitting it flat, um, you're going to get good speed on the ball, but you can also add spin to that as well. Um, it becomes a little bit, more tricky but basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get a really fast fine brushing contact 
and really almost smash it into the table. So you're really trying to hit, hit it hard into your side of the table and get it really close to your end line. Keep it low and then try to get it close to your opponent's end line as well. Um, you can you can do it with side spin, you can do it with top spin, you can do it with backspin as well. But it just take it take again takes practice, um, like everything we talk about. But um, focus on getting that fast brushing contact, and then it'll it'll just be um, a matter of tweaking between um, a flat contact and a thin contact, and just finding the right balance to still get the ball to go fast and to have spin on it as well. Yeah, and I think you've mentioned this in. Uh, a past video on serving fast alloys. Sometimes in practice, it's a good idea to, you know, try and intentionally serve the ball off the end of the table just so you get a feel for how fast you actually need to hit the ball to make it go off the end of the table. Yeah, um, that, yeah, I, I find that's a really good one because often when we um, try to serve fast, as soon as the ball goes long off the end of the table, we think, oh, no, that's no good. We've got to slow down a bit. But... If that fast one might only be missing the end of the table by that much, whereas the other um, nine out of ten are missing the end of the table by that much, and you're, you're sort of more satisfied because the ball's still hitting the table. Don't be satisfied with the ball going that short, and don't be too disappointed with the ball going that long. So, yeah, really just smash that ball, as I said, and see if you can get it long. See if you can get it off the end of the table. Sometimes you'll find it's really difficult to actually hit it fast enough to go on the, off the end of the table. So, yeah, give that a try. All right. Good luck with that, Tusha, and thanks for the question. Next up, Kustab asks, what is the best way to return a ball with heavy backspin on it? Ah, yeah. So probably the... the I'll talk about the easiest way. The easiest way is probably to push the ball back. Um, so if it's got a lot of backspin, then you need to really tilt your bat back that way to counter the, the backspin, and then the ball is going to go back onto the table. So that's probably the easiest and most controlled way. But I think the best way is to be able to topspin the ball back. And that's um, a much more effective stroke because then it puts you in the more dominant position in the rally. So... Um, thinking about the forehand topspin off backspin, which is a lesson that uh, we have in our strokes and techniques section. Um, and I think it's such an important part of uh, developing your game from, you know, just the starter level to, to the next level. So uh, take, a, take a really good note of that lesson on the, the topspin against backspin and see if you can implement that stroke. So for me, that is the best way of handling the heavy backspin ball, but probably the safest way is to push the ball back. All right. Yep. So go watch that video, learn the forehand topspin against backspin. It will really transform your game. Good luck with that, Kustab. Now, Brock has asked us another question, Alois. He said, do you have any tip to counter a very high ball that has side spin on it? It's maybe two to three meters high, and when it bounces, it goes to the side and I miss. Do you know a good tip to control that ball? Yeah. So while, while the ball's in the air, uh, Brock, make sure that you're watching the flight of the ball. So the flight of the ball when it's up that high will give you lots of clues as to what it's going to do uh, when it bounces. So if the ball is curving around that way, 
in the air, it's going to kick off to your left. So, so you think about a little bit about that. So watch that curve in the air. The other thing is the preparation for that smash. So while that ball's in the air, if you're standing close to the table, it's going to bounce and it's going to bounce sideways and it's going to get away from you. But if you move back away from the table, give yourself more space, more time to see the, the flight, um, then you will be able to adjust to that ball going sideways one way or the other as well. Um, when you're back, then you can step either there or you can step there to, to get to the, your contact point. If you're close to the table and the ball takes off sideways, then then you're in all sorts of trouble. So, yeah. So, one, watch the flight of the ball. And two, make sure you, you get yourself back and prepare yourself so that then you can see the, 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 um, the variation or the deviation and come in and make the smash. Perfect. Sounds excellent. Good luck with that, Brock. All righty. Well, that wraps up episode 160 make sure you check out our website pingskills.com sign up for our free newsletter lots of great tips every week and we think you'll enjoy the newsletter so sign up at pingskills.com thank you all for watching and thank you alloys yep thanks jeff and uh we will see you what's today tuesday see you tomorrow awesome see you everyone bye